Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio, North America's only show dedicated to equipment that is used to feed, clothe, and fuel the world. I am Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road in Hackettstown, New Jersey, and we get together here every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern with a re-air Sunday at 6 p.m. exclusively on Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 1. 47. So I want to thank you so much for spending the next half hour with me and for going into the farm shop because you're going to meet me in the farm shop episode later on. And uh, I wanted to invite all of you once again to go to my website, farmmachinerydigest.com and click on the tab to enter the contest to win a hot rod farmer license plate usa made baby and also when you click on that tab and enter that contest you're going to get into the running for a fent die cast model so it's a fent rogator a fent ideal combine a fent momentum planter which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago on the show and then also a fent tractor model so check that out well you can't see the models there so you got to trust me that they are nice but and i also ask you to let me know a little bit about you and your operation whether you're in production agriculture or not it makes no difference everybody who listens to this guy from hackettstown is able to get into that contest and we will start to draw a uh, winner next month they will be going forward every month with a new winner and i also want to invite you to listen to my idle chatter podcast which is an adjunct and the, the farm machinery digest radio and idle chatter work hand in hand for a transfer of knowledge because that's what it's all about to transfer knowledge from from one industry to another from the machinery side to the agricultural ranching side and on you will find uh last week's episode there of idle chatter and that is about data overload oh my god we got so much data today and you know in in the beginning when you first think about data, oh it's just fantastic but then sometimes too much data is not good and it ends up leading you astray so that is what that episode is about data overload and then there's also another episode there well there's actually over 300 episodes but i'm talking about the recent ones and they are about how weather and air temperature affects the way an engine runs and i think that's important for everyone to recognize though we cannot do anything about it is that we have to understand that just like people and just like animals that weather impacts engines and how they run and so if you recognize that well it brings you more into harmony with your machinery and on today's episode what i'm going to be talking about is gasoline direct injection engines and what you need to know about them because they're getting to be very very common in a lot of the newer pickup trucks have gasoline direct injection engines and a lot of vehicles suv a lot of cars but specifically the pickup trucks are now going into gasoline direct injection engines so that's a whole different animal from having a carburetor or port fuel injection and i'll explain to you why they're doing it and i'll also explain to you the potential pitfalls 
or and problems that it could cause for you because a lot of people don't understand those systems and even the guys that are working on them don't fully understand them so just sit pat during the short break and never forget that agriculture runs on machinery but profits on reliability bye-bye I'm Stormy Warren from The Highway. For singers and songwriters chasing their dreams to Music City, taking that Broadway exit to Nashville for the very first time is a moment they will never forget. Country music's biggest stars join me on my new original podcast, Exit 209, and relive those moments. Listen now to hear my talk with country superstars, Florida, Georgia Line. Only on the SiriusXM app, now home to the best collection of podcasts in one place. Free for most subscribers. Download it today and tap Podcasts. Live when the markets are open, Market Day Report delivers the agribusiness news, weather, and markets of the day from across the world, covering what's important to you and your farm, including instant updates on prices that impact your bottom line. You voted RFD-TV is the most trusted source of farm market information for producers. Stream Market Day Report on RFD-TV now or tune in Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on RFD-TV. The Cowboy Channel Bar in the historic Fort Worth Stockyards is the country's first bar dedicated 100% to Western sports. Watch your favorite rodeo on one of the 11 televisions from the Texas Swing and the National Finals Rodeo. Cowboy Channel Bar is your ticket to the best drinks and the most iconic rodeos from across the country. Saddle up to the bar seven days a week or head downstairs to the historic speakeasy on the weekend. Located right under the famous Fort Worth Stockyard sign, visit the Cowboy Channel Bar today. Rural is the roots of our nation. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. Western sports, country music, comedians. It's an attitude. The rural lifestyle and the ag industry. It's not just farming. We've got everything from hunting, fishing, and conservation horses and horse training. Of news, weather, and the commodity markets. Sirius XM, it doesn't matter where you are in North America, it's always there. They'll have it in their trucks, in their combines, in their tractors. To hear Sirius XM's Rural Radio, activate your radio now. Call 844-711-8800 or head to SiriusXM.com slash go to sign up quickly. Welcome back to the show, and uh, we're going to be discussing gasoline direct injection engines today. And if you just happen to be flipping around the Sirius XM dial, then you are on channel 147, Rural Radio. And this is Farm Machinery Digest Radio, and I am your host, Ray Bohax. Well, you'll be your host for today if you're listening, right? So, uh, well, if you are new, welcome aboard. And... Uh, why I want to discuss gasoline direct injection engines is that because there are so many advancements in engine controls and strategies that are found on the farm in all types of engines, whether they're gasoline, diesel, even if on small engines. Uh, there's fuel injected small engines, there's overhead cams, small engines. So there's a myriad of different, and I, you know I hate the word technology, so I like to use the word innovation. Because everybody says, oh, there's so much, there's, you know, that tractor is full of technology. You know, to me, that's really innovation, not the technology. But what has happened over the past, I would say, 10 years, but probably into pickup trucks the past five or six years, and maybe even a little bit longer because time has a way of flying, is that they introduced gasoline direct injection. And what is that? I will explain it. Well, back years ago, let's do a chronology, a timeline, we had carburetors. 
and then from carburetors, and I'm talking about pickup trucks, because there was carburetors on everything, but we're going to just stay with the chronology and the timeline for pickup trucks. And then from the carburetor, some manufacturers, mainly General Motors, which is Chevy and GMC, as you all know, and uh, Ford and Chrysler went to throttle body injection. And what throttle body injection was, it was a hybrid fuel injection system. It had a throttle body with a throttle plate, and it had injectors spraying above the throttle plate. And it would be spraying an atomizing fuel. Remember, atomization means breaking down into small particles, and it would wash past the throttle plates, and it would fuel the engine that way. And there was a very good system on uh, everybody's was excellent. Chrysler, which was Dodge trucks at the time, and General Motors and Ford, they all had a version of throttle body injection. And that was a transition from carburetors to port fuel injection. And personally, I think the throttle body injection was excellent. It wasn't a powerhouse, but it was excellent because uh, for the farm, for a vocational vehicle, for a truck, because it gave more f- control over the fueling of the engine than the carburetor did. Because remember, a carburetor works just on atmospheric pressure and the and the low pressure region that is created by the pumping of the cylinders and the bore. So it gave more control, but it was it was simplistic. And you know, in engineering, we have an acronym KISS, and I've said this many times: keep it simple, stupid. So uh, don't overcomplicate things, right? And it, so it gave the best of both worlds as far as as far as that is concerned. And it was simplistic. It was easy to work on. If an injector went bad, you didn't have to. You just took the air cleaner off, popped the injector out. You didn't have to rip the whole motor apart. So that was basically that. And then what had happened was the companies all transitioned from from throttle body injection to port fuel injection. And port fuel injection means that there is an injector for each cylinder. So if it was an eight-cylinder engine, had eight injectors. If it was a six, six, six injectors. And the injector was located at the end of the intake manifold runner, just before the intake manifold entered the intake port runner of the cylinder head at that juncture there. And that's where, so so you'd have eight cylinder engine, you have, <clears throat> you'd have eight injectors. And each one would be responsible for fueling that cel- each cylinder, its respective cylinder. And then what had happened was that in this transition first in the car industry is that they, st- they came out with a system that was called, <clears throat> excuse me, gasoline direct injection. And that was akin to an uh, to like a direct injection diesel excuse me i took a drink of water <clears throat> and uh there was an injector for each cylinder but no longer was it in the intake manifold runner it was now actually spraying into the cylinder like a diesel engine would be and if we just back up a little bit the earlier diesels were what they called indirect injection because they had a pre-chamber with the injector sprayed in and then the flame would actually the combustion would start there and come out of the pre-chamber into the bore and then they have direct injection diesels so that would have no pre-chamber that the, the nozzle the injector for the diesel engine would be right into the into the cylinder right above the piston and gasoline direct injection is a version of that it's going to the injector is going to be located and spraying into the cylinder just like a spark plug is so you so this is uh, the latest version 
of fuel injection. So you may say, well, why did they do that? And the reason, <clears throat> the reason why they did it is twofold. The main, the main reason was to have the fuel have a vapor, a vaporizing effect, a latent heat of vaporization, which would be a cooling effect to cool the charge in the cylinder as the gasoline phased changed from a liquid, an atomized liquid, to a gaseous state, a rarefied or a uh, form. So why did they want the cooling effect there? You're going to be saying to yourself, right? I'm reading your mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> the thing, the, the reason why is as an emission control, as a non-moving, a non-emission control function. They were using, or they are using, the phase change of the gasoline to allow for a higher compression ratio and to lower, in theory, oxides of nitrogen emissions. So by having a higher compression ratio in an engine, you have more thermal efficiency. The engine becomes more thermally efficient, and what that relates to is that there's more, that better fuel economy, less fuel usage, all right? So, so that's the whole game there is to try to balance out the fuel economy and still make the power. So whenever you add compression ratio to an engine, you are adding to its thermal efficiency and you're making the chemical to mechanical energy exchange more efficient. So now, if we look at that, at that reasoning for that, the latent heat of vaporization is responsible. And by, so you may say to yourself, well, the, the fuel changed phase before, which would be 100% correct, but it changed phase as it was going through the, in, the intake port of the cylinder head. And then you'd have possibly some fuel fallout. So by having it right in the cylinder, you have the greatest amount of phase change, which allowed them a, an, an integral inherent cooling effect and this cooling effect allowed for more compression ratio which gave the engine more fuel economy people associate compression ratio with with power it but it's a bigger gain of fuel economy than there is power and if you look at it a lot of these gasoline direct injection engines today have very high compression ratios so what's actually happening is the compression ratio on gasoline engines is going higher and the compression ratio on diesel engines is coming down and they're really not that far apart right now because there's a lot of gasoline direct injection engines that are running 13 and a half almost 14 to 1 compression ratio and a lot of the modern diesel engines that are in pickup trucks are running only 16 to 1 compression ratio so there's not that disparity whereas before you had a old indirect injection diesel that had 20 or 22 to 1 compression ratio and a gasoline engine that had 9 to 1 compression ratio or 8 to 8 and a half to 1 compression ratio so the two so the two engine theories the, the spark ignition and the compression ignition is starting to come together and gasoline direct injection is allowing that to happen so in theory that is all wonderful <clears throat> but now what do we need to add to it that you need to know as a farmer with a gasoline direction direct injection gdi that's what they identify everything is an acronym right gdi so first of all it, it then again mimics 
like a diesel engine <clears throat> because <clears throat> there'll be a a lift pump and then there'll be a high pressure pump so the electric lift pump is what's going to move the fuel from the gas tank to the to the high pressure pump and usually the high pressure pumps and are mechanically driven pumps that are run off the engine so what happens is that when you turn the key on gasoline direct injection you're going to hear a prime and the electric fuel pump which is akin to a lift pump on a, on a diesel is going to take the gasoline and send it to the high pressure injection pump and then as the engine cranks it's going the high pressure injection pump is going to be mechanically operated from the engine and it's going to raise the pressure because the pressure needs to be extremely high for the for the injector to spray against the cylinder pressure but also you have to realize that a lot like a diesel a lot of people don't understand this and that's why i'm always screaming for keep the injectors cleaned on the diesel do all of this right is that they are i forgot to shut off my phone all right we just took care of we just took care of that so <clears throat> so let me make sure i did yes i did <laughs> but not too uh, professional today clearing my throat and the phone ringing sorry about that but anyway so this high this high pressure in, injection pump is going to to raise the fuel pressure the gasoline's fuel pressure up very very high whereas a, a port fuel injection system would run between let's say 45 and 50 pounds of fuel pressure at the going into the injector a gasoline gdi system all right will run about 22 23 000 pounds of pressure and the other thing they're doing that not only because of the uh to break the fuel apart and phase change because well excuse me they're, they're doing it because of the cylinder pressure all right but also because the fuel has no time to break apart so what's going to happen is that on a port injection system it has usually a hundred millimeters of travel before it gets into the cylinder whereas if you're spraying directly into the cylinder and that's why diesel engines and i start to say that before the phone rang diesel engines are so critical to have that injector clean and actually breaking that fuel apart if you don't break that fuel apart then the phase change is all wrong so with gdi that's the same problem so they're going to so basically if they let's say they went from 60 pounds to twenty thousand pounds of pressure big big difference all right and also the whole injector not only had to be redesigned because it has to live with twenty thousand pounds of pressure but live within the it's exposed to the heat of combustion okay so that is that <clears throat> so a couple of things that you need to know about gdi number one is that the engines themselves historically are noisier a lot of them like a bmw or a mercedes but you're not going to have in a pickup truck but you could have a sprinter van or something on your farm is that they almost sound diesel like because of that high pressure injection system and the way the fuel is being administered and that phase change mimics a lot of the diesel combustion dynamics so they're they're a lot they're noisier all right some of them you you, you hear it you sound especially when they're cold they sound almost like a diesel but it's gasoline now the other thing that happens <clears throat> is that during overlap of a camshaft 
is that there is what's called reversion. Exhaust gas is pushed up into the intake port, and that is natural. It's a natural phenomena, and it's especially uh, prominent at low speeds, low engine speeds. Now, what will happen is that the impurities in the gasoline, and I'm not saying that you're buying dirty gasoline, but the hydrocarbons, the dynamics, the chemicals, and I've spoken about this many times, will cause deposits to form on the intake valve. On the backside of the intake valve, carbon deposits will form. That'll happen with a carbureted engine, throttle body port fuel injection, but and with gasoline direct injection, that happens, but it's much more of a problem with gasoline direct injection. And the reason being <clears throat> is that the, the valve never sees the fuel and air mixture going past it that a carburetor, a throttle body, or a port fuel injection system has. So the any detergent that is in the gasoline, like a top-tier detergent, or if you put a product in that is a fuel system cleaner, that to remove those deposits cannot reach there. So it is a common phenomena for gasoline direct injection engines over time to build so much carbon deposits on the backside of the intake valve that they run like a bag of bolts. So there's two different things you could do right now if that happens. So if you have a GDI engine, and you have to be aware of what you have under the hood. If you have a GDI engine, then you then you need to recognize that and there are chemicals that you could drip into the engine uh, while it's running. And uh, I think uh, a number of companies make them now. And you put on a, on a fa- fast idle and you uh, have somebody hold their foot on the throttle and you drip this in. It has to go through a vacuum port and it breaks up those valve deposits. That has to be one of your preventative maintenance procedures. You, that, that, that's something you can't say, well, if you put a, fu- a fuel systems cleaner in a tank, it's going to clean the carbon off the piston and the carbon off the injector, but it is not going to clean the carbon off the valves. And that's usually a very big problem. Misfires, codes, lack of, lack of performance, poor fuel economy, running rough is usually a problem of valve deposits on gasoline direct injection engines. And that is why a lot of the newer engines have both GDI and a port fuel system. So they have a double injection system, which is overly complicated, right? What happened to KISS? Just so at idle and at port throttle runs off the port fuel injection system. So the the, the, uh, detergent in the gasoline could work on cleaning the valves. And then under certain load conditions, it takes advantage of the gasoline direction direct injection system and switches back and forth so it got very 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 complicated rfd tv covers the issues that are relevant to your rural lifestyle and u.s producers trust rfd tv more than any other news source wheat breeders at michigan state university are recommending producers maintain input levels this season timely unbiased information to help you tend to your fields and families while keeping up with policy changes in dc this is designed to make it a little bit easier for people to get in the farming business a little bit easier to access the resources of usda long-range weather forecasts to 
help you plan ahead. The next couple of days, all the attention is going to go to the West Coast as this stream comes in from the Pacific across California. And we're also the number one source for market and commodities information as it happens. We had an overnight export sale announced this morning by USDA. I was a little bit surprised to see that. Catch Market Day Report and the Rural Evening News weekdays on RFD-TV and Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 147. All across our great nation, border to border, coast to coast, on farms and ranches and in cities and towns too, people talk about rural radio. They really love this channel. Hi, this is Max Armstrong, hoping you'll tell your friends there's a great place they can call their radio home and where they can join me for This Week in Agribusiness both Saturday and Sunday mornings at 8 Eastern. I hope you'll be here on Rural Radio exclusively on Sirius XM 147. Hey, this is Jimmy Stir. Let's get together every Saturday night. It's for the Saturday Night Polka Party right here on Rural Radio. Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. They repeat that same show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So join me and all of your friends for the Saturday Night Polka Party on Rural Radio Channel 147. I'm Chase Hydebrader from Fort Branch, Indiana, and I listen to Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And uh, I was thinking about during the break that I may not have explained that uh, properly. These chemicals that are used to remove the valve deposits on GDI engines, they'll, you, they'll work also on non-GDI, but you could just put an in-tank fuel additive in that because the injector is going to spray on the valve. They are a liquid and they come in a little kit and you have to get access to a vacuum port. And the reason why you need two people is because all of these engines today have drive-by-wire. So there's no way for you to physically open the throttle underneath to keep it at a fast idle. And then you follow the instructions, and you fast idle the engine, and you uh, open the valve on whatever the application-specific tool is that they give you, and it, and it flows in through the vacuum hose and then attacks the carbon deposits that way. What it does is that it loosens them up and lets them fall off, and then the combustion of the engine burns it up. So when I said it has to put it into the engine, I did not make that clear. I, honestly, I got flustered by the phone ringing, and I apologize for that. But right now, you're going to meet me in a farm shop, and I got the phone disconnected. So come on in, Tex. That's Tex Rubinowitz from Ripsaw Records. He's the hot rod man. Well, I'm a rolling daddy with a mean machine. It's got a V8 motor and it sure is clean. I'm a hot rod man. Yeah, I'm a hot rod man. Look out, little mama, gonna get you if I can. All Tex, thank you so much. So when you meet me in the farm shop, what we're talking about today is to wait to shift to reverse. Most, if not all, newer gasoline-powered engines and pickup trucks and cars are designed so the engine speed flares up on start, especially when cold. This is done to burn off the hydrocarbons created during engine crank. Though I am not a proponent of idling a cold engine, you need to wait a few seconds for the engine speed to decay down before you shift into any gear and especially reverse. When automatic transmission line pressure is much automatic transmission line pressure is much higher in reverse, and when combined with the cold fluid and excessive engine RPM, shocks the seals and O-rings in the transmission, leading to a premature failure. 
So when you start it up, let the let the engine speed decay down a little bit, then put it in reverse so you don't have that shock on all those internal parts in the transmission. So I want to thank you so much for listening, and I want you to know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher in my beloved, beloved America. Any questions, just send me an email, hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. Be safe and get that planter going. Bye-bye. This is the Agricultural Law and Tax Report. I'm Roger McOwen. Farm security involves properly caring for animals, screening and training employees, and making sure property boundaries are in good shape. But it also means defending against technology such as cameras, drones, and virtual reality. I'll be back in a moment to discuss. Kansas State University consistently ranks in the top 10 of all ag schools. 97% of K-State ag graduates are employed or furthering their education. Learn more at ag.ksu.edu. I'll get back to the report in a moment, but I want you to know that Schrader Real Estate and Auction Company has sold farm and ranch land and farm equipment in 40 states. Learn how the Schrader family can help your family. Visit SchraderAuction.com. That's S-C-H-R-A-D-E-R Auction.com. News stories have documented how some activist groups are using drones to take overhead video of confinement livestock operations. In one instance, activists gained access to hog barns and hid tiny cameras. During a subsequent nighttime raid, they used high-speed digital cameras to record the inside of a barn. The recordings became part of a virtual reality experience on social media to be used against animal agriculture. This type of conduct puts animals and the food chain at risk. These farms have strict biosecurity protocols to protect animals against cross-contamination, pathogens, bacteria, and viruses. In addition, the intrusions can damage existing structures. So what can be done for protection? Careful hiring practice is the first line of defense. Also, use technology such as cameras to your advantage. In addition, make sure your plan includes standard techniques. Check for doors left ajar, unfastened locks, disturbed equipment, hidden cameras, and displaced dirt or gravel. Do you have a security plan for your farm? This has been the Agricultural Law and Tax Report. I'm Roger McOwen. 